This is a question they raised in the Playbook newsletter, but can I just ask you straight up, do you think any of this would be happening if Neera Tandon were a white man? That's a difficult question to answer, Jeremy. I I guess I would say that a lot of Democrats feel like it wouldn't be happening. Near attendance nomination could be in serious jeopardy for White House budget director after Democrat Joe Manchin and a handful of moderate Republicans came out against her. And in prior cases, whether you're looking at Rick Grinnell's confirmation to be the ambassador to Germany. Look, look, Rick Grinnell is not a racist and he's not a sexist. And by the way, he's made plenty of comments on Twitter and in public statements that would contradict what you just said. Uh, Jeff Sessions confirmation to be attorney general. In what now passes for bipartisanship, one Democrat joined every Republican in voting to confirm Sessions for attorney general. You know, in Jeff Sessions' case, he wasn't considered worthy of federal judgeship decades prior because of accusations of racism. Mr. Sessions is a throwback to a shameful era, which I know both black and white Americans thought was in our past. It's inconceivable to me that a person of this attitude is qualified to be a U.S. attorney let alone a United States a federal judge. Rick Grinnell, very similar to Neera Tandon, is known for lobbying vicious attacks and personal attacks at people that are Democrats and Republicans. Mr. Grinnell's derogatory comments about women are simply unacceptable for anyone to make in public, let alone a diplomat. And so that is the big question that they see as a pattern that, that they're raising, and that includes Democratic lawmakers, progressive activists, and even the president of the NAACP. They're saying that this looks like a pattern to them in terms of women, in particular women of color, being held to a different standard than white men. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Laura Barone Lopez on how and why the nomination of Neera Tandon to head the Office of Management and Budget fell apart. Stupid girl. Harry Potter is dead. From this day forth, you put your faith in me. So, Laura, like most Washington controversies, this saga, in a lot of ways, starts with Harry Potter, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right, Jeremy. So uh, Tandon called Mitch McConnell Voldemort. Come forward and join us. Or die. It's just one of many tweets where she lobbed very personal attacks uh, against not just Republicans, but also Democrats. You actually have tweeted more in the past four years than President Trump tweeted as far as just numbers. And it's been pretty hostile, obviously. You've called Republicans criminally ignorant, corrupt, and the worst. And it's not just one or two. I think you deleted about a thousand tweets. And it wasn't just about Republicans. But the comments were personal. I mean, you call Senator Sanders everything but an ignorant slut. That is not not true. She was known for tweeting personal insults at Senator Bernie Sanders, who is actually leading her confirmation hearing. Your attacks were not just made against Republicans. They were vicious attacks made against uh, progressives, uh, people who I have worked with, me personally. 
Can you reflect a little bit about some of your decisions and the personal statements that you have made in recent years? I recognize that my language and my uh, expressions on social media, you know, um, caused hurt to people. And I feel badly about that. So Tandon has said repeatedly, she said it during the confirmation hearing and she said it since that she uh, has taken ownership of the tweets of her very personal attacks on lawmakers uh, and her conduct on Twitter. And, and she apologized for it. I apologize to people on either the left or right who are hurt by what I've said. Can we assume that as the director of the OMB, we're going to see a different approach if you are uh, appointed than you have uh, taken at the cap? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, senators like Joe Manchin, followed quickly by Republican senators, uh, Susan Collins and Mitt Romney, have said that they don't plan to support her nomination. A peculiar decision on the part of those senators given that both of those senators had absolutely no problem supporting someone with a hyper-partisan Twitter warring history in the past. Susan Collins and Joe Manchin both voted to confirm Rick Grinnell. And so that's really imperiled her chances of becoming OMB director. It's really difficult to see what pathway she has, because every time we hear from another Republican senator, which is where Joe Biden and the administration would really need to get those votes from now. We're hearing Republicans say that they don't plan to support her. Uh, so it's really difficult to see what her pathway is. You mentioned the treatment of controversial nominees in the past who are white men, uh, Grinnell, Jeff Sessions. What do you think what we're seeing play out right now with Neera Tandon, especially given the fact that Democrats do have a narrow majority in the Senate? What does it tell us about the gender and race dynamics playing out in the nomination process? Well, as I spoke to Democratic lawmakers, as well as progressive advocates, what they say it speaks to is this double standard that that women, women of color, people of color are held to a different standard when they have to go through the confirmation process for these very high level positions. And in many cases, these women or people of color would be the first ever to be a female to hold this position or to be a black, brown, or Asian person to hold this position. And Democrats see this pattern in terms of resistance from Republicans to Biden's nominees, particularly nominees of color or female nominees. And they consider it a pattern where they're being held to a different standard compared to the white male nominees from the prior administration. And so they argue that, look, you can disagree with Tandon's tweets because she's the most prominent example in this moment, but that there were more serious conflicts of interest or bigoted attacks coming from white men who were nominated to be in prominent positions during the prior era, and yet they were still confirmed. And that they also, in many cases, received Democratic support. Regardless of the dynamics we've been talking about, Tandon did make comments and tweets attacking lawmakers, many of them who'd be voting on her confirmation. And these things were out in, in the open, right? Like, could the Biden administration 
have done a better job of of preparing for this? Is there any fix to the situation they could have or should have seen? Uh, look, I mean, I, I frankly don't know what the what the fix is. I mean, in terms of Tandon, you could argue that the administration did not do as effective outreach to Republicans as they potentially could have. And in the case of a 50-50 Senate, you have to make sure that you don't just have every single 50 Democratic senators on board, but you may want a bit of cushion uh, and you can't take those Democratic senators for granted because of the fact that if one goes uh, against you, that could tank an entire nomination if you don't have any Republicans on your side. Uh, and there there was reporting that, that the administration did not engage with Senators Mitt Romney and Susan Collins effectively as they saw Tandon potentially facing some hurdles. So what do you think the way Tandon's nomination has kind of fallen apart reveals about potential hurdles the White House could face with Biden's agenda in the weeks and months ahead? Well, it's not going to be an easy path for for the Biden administration, whether it's in terms of nominees and getting their cabinet confirmed. Already, Biden is lagging behind the pace that former President Trump and former President Barack Obama in terms of the the pace at which they had their nominees confirmed. And it's a very different Washington than when Obama uh, was in office. And Biden is is realizing that, whether it's getting his administration filled out and getting support for his nominees or support for his legislation and the the policies that he wants to enact, whether it's COVID relief, immigration, uh, or gun control. There's going to be a lot of resistance from Republicans. And there's really, as you've seen time and time again, even in the case of Trump's impeachment, Republicans don't feel any incentive to work with Biden. They feel that it is politically beneficial to them to oppose him and to continue to be tethered to Trump because they think that that is the best way to be reelected and keep the Republican voting base behind them. Laura Barone Lopez, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also today, four board members of Texas's power grid operator, including its chairwoman, are resigning amid mounting criticism over last week's blackouts that left millions of people without power and heat during a historic and deadly cold snap. In a letter to the state's Public Utility Commission on Tuesday, they said, quote, Our hearts go out to all Texans who had to go without electricity, heat, and water during frigid temperatures and continue to face the tragic consequences of this emergency. All four of the board members resigning live outside of Texas, which amplified outrage against the grid operator. State lawmakers are set to begin hearings over the outages on Thursday. And Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says he will support Merrick Garland's nomination for attorney general. McConnell's comments to Politico come five years after he blocked the judge's path to the Supreme Court as Senate Majority Leader, arguing that the future of the high court seat was for the American people to decide, given that it was a presidential election year and the White House and Senate were controlled by different parties. 
McConnell's decision to support Garland this time around is not entirely surprising given that he recommended him to lead the FBI during the Trump administration, but his announcement could clear the way for even more GOP senators to vote in Garland's favor. The Senate Judiciary Committee will hold a committee vote on Garland's nomination March 1st, and Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin says he hopes for final confirmation next week. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other Politico podcasts like Pulse Check, Politico Energy, and the Playbook Audio Briefing. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.